Greetings, everyone. This is Aaliyah J. Des Consulting Podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all things professional and personal. This podcast is all about navigating multiple identities, professional and academic environments, practicing holistic wellness and authenticity, application processes, and filling in gaps in higher education. Yes, so today's guest is Brianna Ellum. She is a student affairs professional, the director of Women and Gender Equity Center. And let me tell y'all about Brie, right? Brie was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, Midwest. (laughs) Yes, she graduated from Wayne State University with a bachelor's in sociology and a minor in communication studies. She received her master's in higher education from the University of Kansas. She is passionate about creating and holding spaces for women as they focus on their faith healing, liberation, and self-love, right? Brie has has also published a journal called Flourish Effervescence Journal, and this journal can be found in Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, and many more bookstores. So as you can hear, this is a well-rounded person, and today's topic is all about like holistic wellness and choosing yourself and really focusing on just taking care of mom, body, and spirit. And so with that, Brie, welcome to the Aaliyah Janae Dex <laughs> Consultant Podcast. How are you? Aaliyah, I am so good. I have been anticipating this interview, counting down, I think very highly of you. So first, it's an honor to even be featured on your podcast. Thank you. And I'm excited for our interview today. For sure. Thank you so much. So Okay, let's a little backstory. Brie and I met maybe what 2020? 2020 through a mutual friend. And I thought like that mutual friend is the GOAT, is the MVP. And so I don't know if she had if she's the GOAT and MVP, she got she has to have people around her who are also MVPs and GOATs. And right. so that's where I met Brie. And we have connected, we've been connected in so many different ways. Um, and I just feel like this is the right time because we're so much in alignment, just where we yes, are, our, lives, our goals and all of that. So I'm so excited to have you here today for sure. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So again, as I stated in her intro, um, she's a student affairs professional. So can you talk a little to us about how did you discover student affairs and what were some of your previous positions that you held before the um, Gender and Equity Center? Yeah, so I would say I, I'm gonna be honest, like I discovered student affairs when I was in undergrad. So I'm a first generation college student. That's an identity that I wear with pride because it just comes with so much excitement. So because I was a first generation college student and um, I grew up low SDS in the projects in the city of Detroit, I would work like five campus jobs. So I was the student who would switch out of my polos. So I'm switching out of my admissions polo to go into my orientation polo, to head into into my campus activities polo, name all of the different polos, right? While still being a student and being an RA. And I remember one time uh, my supervisor, when I was RA, um, I ended up being a fifth year senior because I kept switching my major. Okay. And I was already in the same community for four years. Uh, Atchison Hall has my heart to this day. And my supervisor, Latonya Garrett, I was like, ooh. I was like, you dedicate your time for free. You like volunteer with us. And I remind you, we having like staff meetings. 
we doing opening and closing the buildings. But I was just like, oh, wow, like this lady, like real kind that she be having like nightly staff meetings with us and one-on-ones. Like she really is like volunteering. So I remember in one one-on-one asking her, I was just like, you know, like, how did you go about like volunteering? Like, do you have another job? Like, are you like bored or retired? Because this is like a lot. We were a team of 22 or 23. I can't exactly mm. recall. A little bit long ago. And she bust out laughing. She said, absolutely not. I am not volunteering. And I do not do this for free. Uh, I live here in the hall. I'm like, you live here? I was like, oh, that's why you be going to the back hallway. Oh, everything making sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to school for this. So I was like, oh, okay, like, tell me more. She was like, you know, I actually read all of your jobs in undergrad. They're all student affairs, like, focus. So she was like, what I currently do is another part of student affairs. It's like housing and residence life. So I'm like, oh, okay. So me being me, I'm like, mm, well, I really love housing and I love orientation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let me see if I can like meet with both of my supervisors, learn a little bit about their career trajectory. So I can kind of figure out where I want to go for grad school, what type of assistantship I want to go to. So uh, both of them was extremely supportive Latonia uh Katie Rollins Ebony was amazing like I was just surrounded by like dope women in my undergrad experience both uh black women and Mm -hmm. some solid who I would consider uh allies so after they you know poured into me as a first generation college student pushed me made sure that I was on the right trajectory I was like okay now that I know that none of y'all don't volunteer y'all bored like I can see myself (laughs) kind of doing this full time. So that kind of led me uh, to go into higher education after I was doing like one-on-one interviews with them, learning what they did. They also let me shadow them. Uh-huh. And because I was an orientation leader for four years in an RA, like they also allowed me to move up to hold higher leadership positions because of the amount of years I was on their team. So it allowed me to like learn a lot about myself as a leader, like kind of like motivating and like coaching others, like very young on. So I was just like, oh, I can do this full time in like my adult life. So I'm going to ask a question at the end that I just, this is a new question, but I want you to ponder on this. Mm. What would Brie today tell her undergrad self? Keep that in mind. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. We're going to close okay. out with okay. that. We're going to close out with that. Okay. Make sure I don't forget. <laughs> All right. Boom. Got you. Got you. So, yes, yeah, so I love to hear about how you were involved so much in orientation um res life um as a professional what were some other positions that you held yeah so I would say as a professional my experience has always been in res life so um I was a you know every school calls it different but essentially it's the same role so I was like a community director where I did 2.5 years in res life at North Carolina State University go pack and um I was over four residential communities during my time there I had a staff of 25 one graduate assistant, and I supervised uh, a living, oversaw a living learning community that focuses on intersectional feminism and womanhood. And I supervised two straight out of grad school. Uh, so as you can see, like that was my grad school experience. It wasn't a co-run experience. It was just me straight out of the University of Kansas, like go pack go, this young black girl from Detroit, we trusted you with all of it. Uh, so that was my experience and then, um, when I was at the University of Kansas, they have a unique experience. I was something called a scholarship hall director. They're the only school in the nation that has like that motto. So I oversaw like food board managers and proctors. So essentially like 
they were the maintenance and the dining staff. So the students cooked for each other and cleaned for each other for a reduced housing fee, which was like such a cool concept. So I had students cooking my meals. I had high gourmet quality meals. I had breakfast, lunch, dinner, midday snack, midnight snack, um, weekend surprises. Um, and I oversaw like dining services. So I was in charge of working with like Kellogg's, um, who I'm trying to think like Kellogg's, Yo Play, uh, Granger, like that's kind of like the facilities management um, mm -hmm. piece. And then like all of these big like food food trucks that kind of like the on campus dining services to work with. I've got a chance to like work with them and oversee the process. So it was real cool. Cause I'm like, oh, if I ever wanted to go into dining, I really could cause I got the experience. Um, after that, um, I decided NC State, it was a very great experience, but I experienced a lot of challenges as a black woman during my time at NC State from microaggressions, micro insults, micro invalidations. And um, I had a mental uh, breakdown mm -hmm. uh, May 2017 where I was really tired of the workplace trauma that I was experiencing. And my GA at the time, uh, Maya Wilson, who was a friend and still is a friend to this day, told me, she said, I think you should apply, Brie. Uh, Florida State posted something. And I think you should leave. Like, I feel like you're only staying because 90% of our team are seniors. I'm a senior and you don't want anybody to harm us. She was like, but I'll be okay. The team will be okay because we're not going to be here. We're literally about to graduate. So I think that you should apply. So in your one-on-one, um, I'm going to ask you, like, did you apply? Let me look at your application. I was like, not you holding me accountable. She was managing up for real. She was managing up. She said, you get out of here now. <laughs> yeah, and I love Maya. She's like, we're going to pray about your uh, next experience. If it's meant to be, God will open the door for the state. If not, there's tons of other states you will live in. They're all hiring. I've already been on hiring jobs. Like Maya was just such a blessing during my time. Still to this day, I was so happy when I went to Florida State. I didn't have a GA because I was like, Man, my bias, like Maya set the bar high. I never looked at her as a GA. She was more like a professional in practice because mm -hmm. everything about the way she showed up as a black woman was incredibly dope. So I went to Florida State and was very intentional. I said, I'm making a lateral move and I'm gonna be at Florida State maybe two or three years. When I went to Florida State, I didn't ask any of the fun, fluffy questions. I asked transparent questions about what does accountability in a workplace look like when black women are being harmed? Um, how do you define self-care as a buzzword we're constantly throwing around in our field? Like, can you walk me through what a typical weekday would look like? Uh, how does this um, department expect me to spend my weekend time as it relates to roles and responsibilities? So, because I didn't want to transition from a place where I was experiencing workplace trauma just to go to a new state, a new school and experience it again. So I had to ask the real questions and be really intentional throughout my time at Florida State. And I would say Florida State was exactly what I needed because during that time, I ended up enrolling in therapy uh, when I moved down there as well. And my therapist was instrumental, but the entire Florida State Res Life professional staff. Like I had so much balance. Um, I was, I recovered from burnout. Um, my spark and fire came back again. I, I felt alive. I felt seen mentally, right? Which was so important to see me mentally because mm -hmm. when you're great good work, everybody over tap, they over extend. So even during my time at Florida State, my supervisor, Anthony Holmes, which was a true gem, even respecting my boundaries of like, hey, the first four months, 
I just want to exist. Like, I'm going to be honest, like I'm recovering from workplace trauma. Like if there's any additional responsibilities where campus partners are bringing my name up in rooms as they're getting to learn me, people want to tap me for opportunities. I would say in this season, I probably only have capacity for the first four months for one opportunity. And then after that, I'm going to be ready to do it because I wanted to make sure I wasn't bringing those unhealthy habits from NC State masking because I can do it, push through it. So mm -hmm. uh, that's what, everything was in res life. But while I was in res life, all of my experiences had an emphasis on social justice, equity, and inclusion. So I knew at one day I would either transition out or want to become an assistant director for social justice and inclusion. So all of my resident halls, all of my experiences, like social justice pedagogy was embedded into the framework of what we did. Like RAs knew, like if you're not ready to learn about social justice and have uncomfortable conversations, Miss Bree, cool, but maybe that's not the team for you. Uh, so that really helped me out a lot. And then I went back to NC State for a year where I was the assistant director for their women's center, which was a center that I absolutely love. And I got to work really closely with them when I was in res life at NC State. Mm -hmm. And that experience allowed me to propel forward, finishing my one year, my last day was my one year anniversary, which then led me um, to then go on to become the director of the Women and Gender Equity Center at ODU. I love that. And yes. that, how was it going back? You know, you went back to an institution that you didn't maybe didn't have the best experience with, but in a new department. Yeah. So how was that experience for you? I think the experience was really incredible because like 99% of the amazing campus partners, both faculty and staff and students were still there. So mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't have anything to worry about. I think my traumatic experience when I was in res life was more from a colleague to colleague level, not necessarily like professional leadership. So me coming back, some things that I made sure to be important because I knew I would still work closely with housing and I wasn't quite sure how those individual roles may have changed and if I did have to work with them. So I made sure to set some boundaries if I did to tell my supervisor, if I'm heading to a meeting with this person, here's what I need to make sure that my mental health and my peace is protected. Um, this is what's important for me. So making sure that they understood that. I also was a person that took meetings over lunch. They knew me as that person. When I used to work there, I would stay long hours. So I had to let them know, like, you know, in two years, a lot has changed about me. So I'm going to be entering in a new department at an institution that I absolutely love, like, was instrumental after my graduate experience, but I'm not the same breed. So let me help y'all know who I am now. Mm -hmm. um, I will not be staying in the office to 10, 11 at night. I do not do work meetings. Uh, you don't pay me for my lunch. I need my lunch time to myself. Uh, no, I don't want to be treated to lunch. Uh, that's manipulative behavior. You no, know, it's like they try to, oh, you know, like a, a free lunch. I don't want to do those type of things. So I feel like um, they did such an amazing job really respecting my boundaries and understanding. Like they met me as this professional who overworked herself, who said yes, 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 yes to me coming back, being balanced, super intentional with what I was saying yes to. And they respected it. And for that, I have an immense amount of gratitude for NC State, except in the new evolved version of me. I love that. Come on, <laughs> intentionality. <laughs> Yay, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And you talked about um, self-care being a buzzword. And so, yes. so as you were looking for a new institution, you were very intentional about, you know, their practices. And so for yes. you, what does self-care mean? And what does holistic wellness look like for you? Yeah, I think for me, uh, self-care is it's like caring for self. 
Um, especially when I think about me, I'm going to take it from the framework of identities I hold. I am a Black woman. And from birth, Black women, we have been taught to be all things to all people, to put mm -hmm. everybody, put our siblings first, to put our spouses first, uh, to pour into our community. And I think for me, when I think of self-care, I think of centering and caring for self before you center and care for anyone else. So for me, self-care is all about intentional self-reflection, deep soul care work, intentionally looking at myself in the mirror, facing some unpainful truths um, about myself. Because unfortunately, like for me, self-care is not like many petties, massages. Like that that's a part of it. But to me, real self-care comes with like deep soul work. Like, why do I show up the way that I show up in spaces? Like, why do I find myself like triggered or overwhelmed? Like, why do certain things give me pauses? So a lot of it for me is going to therapy, putting that into action, journaling, uh, learning what centers me. Like when it comes to my self-care. So nature grounds me. I like being outside. I like doing hikes, butterflies, flowers is where I feel most connected when I feel like I'm kind of losing myself. So I think for me, self-care will be intentional soul work that centers self at the core before I censor anyone else. I love that. You you yeah. really touched on something that's important. I think that sometimes folks come into the profession and we see them in a in a leadership role and we think that they have it all together. But something that I realize is that we're all still humans first. We still yes. have traumas. We still yes. navigate in different spaces. Like yes. our self-development doesn't stop. Um, no. We got an executive director position. Like Absolutely we're still, <laughs> we're still growing. And I think that's something I learned in my time. Um, yes. as a student affairs professional, like in the work, um, is that a lot of folks are, have some things they need to work on, you know, like there's some insecurities a lot of yes. times and it's mass because they have degrees and they have this. And so I love when you said, you know, how am I showing up in the space? Like I need to really tap into myself. Why am I bothered by that comment? Because right. that will help shape everything moving forward. And yes. there's nothing better than being self-aware. Self-awareness. Yes. Oh. Listen, when I say the self-awareness is key, but I, but I think what, and not only in student affairs, people in general struggle with this, is that they pour so much into the parts of their self that's great. And to me, that's not self-care. Self-care is really learning about the parts yeah. of you. What I like to call is like making space for the magical parts of Brie, the messy parts of Brie, and honoring both so that they can coexist together. Yeah. Not just all oh, the great sides of Brie, because because I got that on lock. Like, let's work with the not so great, messy parts of Brie, because that's the part that is going to help continue to make those other parts of me great. For sure. I love how you broke that down, because sometimes I don't think we realize that they can coexist. Like, these yeah. are all the parts of us. All of them. Because that keeps us balanced, too. Like, yes, anything, any too much or too little of anything is not good. You need that in the middle. That's it. You need that middle ground. Yes. See, because then with that that other side of it all, that still teaches you. Because oh, if it's yes. great, what would you learn? Yeah. Yes. You would. Yeah, you wouldn't be learning anything. You'd be a born. It'd be a born life. <laughs> boring. Boring. Yeah, no. And I think it's important for me to uh, live in 
both of my truths, um, the magical parts of me and the messy parts of me. And then when I say messy, I mean the ever evolving, ever growing, ever stretching, ever changing parts of me. For sure. I love that. And like, as you work with like different professionals in different levels, how have you encouraged them to, you know, practice self-care and holistic wellness? I was like, that has been one of my strengths, even though um, I didn't necessarily always have that in my models. Uh, when I was like coming out of graduate school, one of the things my supervisor when I was at the University of Kansas, uh, Chaz Leotard did such an amazing job at making sure when things happened at a national level towards my identity as a black woman, he was a white man. He always made sure to check in on Bree the person, not Bree the res life professional. He wanted to make sure Bree the person was really great. And I said, wow, I'll make sure to take that on when I become like a supervisor, like remembering to check in and think about what's happening on the news. Cause naturally me being who I am, I'm always checking in on you as the person before the job, but thinking about how these things at a national level may be impacting you because yeah, it's exciting to be doing this work, but it's also heavy when it's also impacting you and me to expect you to show up. So I think for me, something that I've always done in centering my team's wellness, and I'll talk about how it's shifted now in a director role, is when I was more of an assistant director, residence life coordinator, what I would do is, is I would give my staff like mental health days when I was like in res life. I would say, okay, team, so uh, during this time, we're going to have a mental health day. We're not going to have a staff meeting. It's going to be an email agenda. Uh, respond back with a flower. Let me know you read uh, everything. And during this time, I'm going to go ahead and hold the duty phone. So, what I would like for you to do is really think about not doing any homework during this time. And then I'm going to send y'all a few reflection questions. And then at your next one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to tell me, how did you censor your mental health day? Right. Do not do any homework. The next thing that I did with them is I would always make sure to have intentional fun one-on-ones because when I was at NC State, those students experienced a lot of stress. They are some of the most brilliant students I've ever worked with because 99% of them are STEM which means they are mentally, physically, and psychologically overwhelmed. So I took time to get to know who they were, their interests and hobbies, because I knew for some of them, our 30-minute one-on-one was probably the only time that they would actually have time to center their mental health and well-being. So I'm like, okay, so X, Y, and Z person said that they enjoy going to get manis and petties. So I'll be like, okay, let me extend the one-on-one. You want to go get our nails done? Or someone else is like, oh, baking brings me joy, but I just never had time to bake. And I'm like, okay, so your next one-on-one, -on -one, like you want to bake a lemon meringue pie or something? Like you want to be down in the kitchen? So I, I knew that at least once a month they were getting something, even if they hadn't learned how to do it on their self. So being intentional in those ways. And then shifting to now that I'm a, a director, one of the things that I did is, is that there's been a lot of things happening relating to DEI at a national level within higher education. And that is stressful in itself, right? So my office, you know, we're planning anywhere between, you know, like 180 programs for fall, 90 programs for spring, and all of my staff members have marginalized identities related to the work that we do in our center. So one of the things that was important for me to do was to advocate with my AVP to say, hey, you know, I know that you all don't do like an at-home work model here <laughs> because I cannot give my staff a raise. In order for them to show up to be their best selves for me and to do this work, I want to offer a potential proposal um, and how they play out. So I created some expectations for the at-home work model. So uh, for two months in the summer, they each had one at-home work day. And then for the last 
parts of summer, they operate from a different schedule. So they come in at 9 a.m. and they leave at 3 p.m. In the original schedule in the fall, they get there <clears throat> at 8, excuse me, and then they leave at 5. So they get an extra hour in the morning to themselves, and then they get two extra hours to leave. And then I told them, during this time, you clock out. You're not doing any work or anything like that. I had them email their campus partners in April saying, hey, here's my alternate summer schedule, what it looks like. If you need anything from me, here's the days to reach out to me because, you know, I want partners to also be aware because that impacts their work. So being very proactive in those ways, because I think for me as a supervisor, even when I was supervising my graduate assistants, I don't only care about how you show up for me. I also care about how you show up at home for your family, how you show up at home for your partner. So if I'm if I'm inflicting intentional and unintentional stress on me, on you, well, then you go home and then you may not be a great wife, you may not be a great husband, or you may not be a great mother. And I don't want to say that the work environment that I created is contributing to that. You show up here and you give me your best self. So it's important that I make sure while you're working for me that I am also making sure that when you go home, you can give your best self to your family. And the best ways that I can do that is at the core, centering your mental well-being, allowing you to use flex days, uh, me also coming to you and saying like, hey, so, you know, I managed the leave reports. You've only taken leave like three days and it's a whole month. It's 29 days. I'm going to challenge you. I need you to go ahead and submit a week. The office will function without you. You will be here. The work will be here when you return. Um, so me, I feel like well-being and the mental health and how I lead as a leader is dependent on the longevity and the legacy of anyone under my leadership. I would hate for someone to say that they did self-harm or they committed suicide because of the type of leader or harmful structure that I had them operate in. If anything, they'll walk away saying that you taught me how to center rest, right? Because rest and sleep are two different things. You taught me how to advocate for myself and you created a psychologically, mentally safe environment for me to thrive in my truth. And to say that I'm not okay today. I don't have capacity today. Today, Bri, I know I give you 90, but I give you usually 100, but today, a lot has happened with my family, so I only can give you 80. And even your 80 is still good enough for me because you're not perfect and neither am I. So, and I think it's allowed me to really create uh, great teams and yeah, so. Bree, I'm loving this. <laughs> you know, you said something and I'm like, if you said psychological and mental safety. Yes. That's so important, right? Yes. Because sometimes we take a job for the paycheck. We got that on live. We do our work. But yes. that feeling safe part of like, yes. can I even come to work and share that I'm not well? And if I do yes. share that, how are people going to look at me? How does that change my professional idea yes. or whatever it is? And so I love that you center that um, yes. because I feel like if more, more leaders led with that, we will create very different environments for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And people always say like, you know, what do you, what do you think the secret is to your supervision sauce? I was being asked that all the way up to when I graduated from university of Kansas. And I said, my ability to center people, humanness, mm. difference, my ability to center people's humanness. That's your seasoning. That's your sauce. That's it. Love That's that. my sauce. That's yep. I love it. And so one of my like last formal questions is just like an overall, what is something that you would want to share with anybody regarding this topic 
of self-care, holistic wellness? Like what are some key nuggets that you want to pass along? Yeah, I think for me, um, I'll start with the psychological pieces. Like, you know, oftentimes you may be really afraid to go to therapy. You may not want to go to therapy. Like therapy is, is good. Um, if you are a person that's wondering, like, how is this going to even benefit me? I will say I did therapy for four years. I haven't really shared this on any public platform, including Flourish, but I was in therapy for four years. And then before I started this role, I completed therapy after four years. I intentionally went, never missed the session. And that was probably the most liberating thing in my life I've ever done and the best investment I've ever did by pouring into myself, by seeking a licensed clinical mental health professional. So I would say that if you are scared or you are worried, like just show up, that's their job. They'll help you sort through everything. I would say if you're not there yet, for whatever those personal reasons are, there are other forms of therapy. So figure out, is that journaling? Is that being out in nature? Is that forms of like exercise? Is that meditation? Is that mindfulness? Is that yoga until you can reach that? Um, pieces of yourself I would say also too Drake has this song and I know Drake can be interesting at times so bear with me y'all uh, in his song one of his songs he say they don't have no award for this trophies mm. so don't yourself out for no organization no supervisor or anybody because ultimately at the end of the day when you burn out and you cannot show up and operate in your fullness you're not getting an award. There's no Emmy, no Oscar, no Grammy, or no Tony that is given to you for being the most overworked, drained, and restless person. So I would say at all costs, center the seven forms of rest and learn what it feels like to advocate for yourself mm. and what that allows you to be able to do the best work while you're in your work environment. And then lastly, what I would say to any supervisors who are in res life, who are listening to listening to this, any higher ed supervisors in general, is, is that I would say is to lead with compassion. That is super important. Pour into your staff the same way that you pour into these professional organizations and all the many other roles that you hold outside of your campus, because truly your commitment is truly to them. And then I would say is, to create a space where you want to know who they are based on their comfort level, on who they are outside of their job. That will allow them to be more honest with you when things are not going well. I just, my prayer is, is that if you are any type of manager, is that you will see them as a human first. Mm -hmm. Do not pe perpetuate the same harm and violence that may have been done to you. Break the curse. Uh, professional staff members are not machines. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are not machines. We were not meant to operate as machines, right? Like, so make sure that you understand that even though this society and capitalism says work, 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 and grind, 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 they have to do that in every area of their life before they come into the workplace. So allow the workplace to be the only place where they don't have to be a machine and censor grind culture. Allow them to operate in their humanness and censor them as a person so that they could continue to grow and stretch in un un unimaginable ways and create an environment that allows them to heal even for things they may have never talked to you about. Facts. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. And, I keep lying. I'm like, oh, one more question. That's okay. You're fine. I'm no, as you were speaking, I was like, okay, 
even though you briefly talked about your faith, I want to take some time yes. to really talk about that part because I think that's important regardless if you are religious or not or whatever your spirituality. Yes. I think that most people have some type of connectedness outside of themselves, yes. right? And so can you like talk about your journey with that as well as um, how that is a part of your self-care routine and journey? Yeah, so my faith is definitely um, important. I'm a preacher's uh, grandkid, but what I always like to tell people is, is that I'm a Christian, but I'm not the type of Christian that is unable to see the harm that Christianity has caused over the years, right? Like I, I'm realistic um, and I am a Christian, not because of, you know, I grew up as a preacher's granddaughter. Like I, as I got older, I also took time to explore what it meant for me and I began to adapt it in ways that was true for me. And I think my faith on my self-care journey has been instrumental because for those who really know me and are connected to me, the light that I have, the joy that I bring into spaces, if you truly knew my story, you would say, how is it even possible for her to show up and be kind, to be loving, to be caring? So I feel like in the Bible, God performed many miracles. I don't believe in him because of the miracles that he performed in the Bible. I believe in him because he's performed multiple miracles in my life. And I know if it wasn't for him, I truly wouldn't have been here. So I think my faith is so important. Like I make sure I listen to like gospel music. I have like a gospel playlist, but I also tell people that I'm not a perfect Christian by any means. I like to say that I'm righteous ratchet. So I can listen to praises what I do. And I can also listen to body, yada, 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 yada by making the stallion, right? Because God knows who I am. He knows how he created me. So there's duality in my Christianity, right? And I also make time every morning when I leave the gym at 5 a.m., the next thing that I do is I spend an hour with God, you know, praying. I spend some time doing kind of like a journaling method in my um, journal. And then I like read the word and then I close out and I end it with like um, a prayer. But I think that that keeps me like really sane and really grounded. And I attend church. I, I operate between virtual services and in-person services. And then I fast often because sometimes you'll be challenged with principalities of, you know, the flesh and spirit. And, and some people will, you know, cast demons and some weapons were may, you know, be casted, but they may not necessarily know form. So for me, I also have to fast for the things that I don't know that lies ahead, for the things that are coming to me. So um, I do the Daniels fast often and probably like once every three months, an intentional fast where you're not eating any meats. Um, usually I don't, listen to any secular music and I'll say that is that as a Christian I've learned how the enemy tempts me so I learned that he tempts me through secular music because I'll be out here listening to the Summer Walkers the Kalani's I mean you name the different artists which they're great and then I find myself in my feelings I find myself becoming like extremely sad I find myself being like all right guys so I said that you know in my next relationship my sex drive was gonna be medium but then I find myself, right, because the enemy speaks through music. You have all these different emotions that are playing through music. And you have to guard your spirit and be intentional with what you're letting into your spirit. So I feel like 
for me, when I was able to pull back from those things and have a transparent conversation with God, like those th things keep me grounded. Cause just as honest as I am with my therapist in the past, I'm very honest with God. Like, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's the challenges that I'm having. God, like you still there. Like I'm out here dangling, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. Like you hear me, uh, I'm being a faithful and obedient servant, but, um, you there Lord. So I would say like, it's instrumental to my mental health, instrumental, instrumental uh, to my mental health, for sure, along with like flower healing, because uh, flowers are super important to me. I know a lot of people are into like crystals, which I think is really amazing, but I had to find something that worked for me and flower healing is that. So I take flower healing baths. I also put flowers in my tea. I cook with flowers. I spend time laying in them. Like it's, it's such an important spiritual practice. So even though I am Christian, like I have different spiritual practices that I engage in along with yoga and meditation as well. Perfect. Thank you. I just wanted you to share because I think the way you practice um, yes. is very enlightening because it's, oh. it's a... Um, it's a mixture and it's yours. Yes. One thing I yes. tell people is that I'm not, everybody knows I'm not a religious person, but I've studied religion a lot and I try to yes. take the, the good pieces and, and make my own and make it work for me. Um, and so I love that you talked about flower healing because that, like you said, that's not popular. You know, we have yeah. chakras, we have color healing. You're like, color. yeah, I flowers. <laughs> yeah, I like two flowers. That works for Brie. And that's what I really want to encourage people to do is like, we're not asking people to be um, duplicates of us. We want you no. to find who you are, what works for you and just excel in that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And that's in every aspect, not just like um, re uh, religiously or um, spiritually, but just as a whole person, as a professional. Like I saw a post yesterday that says something about... Um, you know, we all may do the same work, but no one does it like you. And, no one. <laughs> and that's what I want people to take away from this is that Brie is talking about all these different practices, but that works for her. This is just to encourage you all to try something new and to figure out what works for you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will add one more thing that has oh, been instrumental sure. wellness journey is that I am a kid at heart. So something that was important on my self-care journey and my wellness journey is, is that I spend a lot of time going back and censoring my inner child, like five-year-old Brie, seven-year-old Brie, 12-year-old Brie, and thinking about, because when we were children, that's when we had the most joy. So I, I make time to like center joy through play and connecting with my inner child. Like that's also been integral uh, to my wellness journey for sure as well. So I want to say, you know, as adults, we don't play. Hmm. As adults, about in the school systems, they took away the arts. They've taken away re resource, I mean, resets, all of these different things because there's such an emphasis on us overworking ourselves. So I would say center play. Like you can play as an adult. Center play, it is healthy, it is okay. When you first start doing it, it may feel weird or uncomfortable if you like at a park and you on the monkey bars or you swinging, but it's okay. It's okay. So I would say, uh, sit to your inner child, make time for play often. For sure. You know, I'm all about the play. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's why I love it. That's another reason why we bought it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you got to be out here with these vulnerable, 
Yes, I'm out here hula hooping. I'm out here in nature doing cartwheels, running, whatever. I'm playing with the birds that's in the pond. Where we at? Absolutely. Rocks and pebbles. It's like, this was such joy. You get so lost in all of the different things that you have. And you could just exist like you did as a child. Facts. I love that. So since we're talking about childhood. Yay. Remember that question I asked you at the beginning? Uh uh Okay, so what would Brie tell her younger self, whether it's like childhood or even like undergrad, what would you tell your, what would you tell that younger self? Yeah, I would tell my younger self um, is that even though you are a black woman from Detroit in the projects, along your journey, you will have many people who will discourage you to say that you cannot and you won't make it out. Know that the intellectual wisdom that you bring to spaces, the innovation, the creativity are all reasons why you can and will succeed. Silence the voices of those who say that you can't. Censor the voices of those that say you can. And always remember at the core who you are, whose you are, and why you do what you do for you. You'll face many instrumental obstacles ahead that will kill most and have others shaken to the core. But in a season where you will find yourself questioning God on why you are a survivor of sexual assault, your purpose 15 years later down the line will all make sense as to why you had to go through that to create spaces for other women. Bree, you are love, you are light, you are magic. And I am so incredibly proud of you. I love you. I've grown to like you. And I'm so proud of the woman in the mirror. Keep flourishing, girl. You got this. Come on. <laughs> That's how I knew you. I know you do this every day. Because that just rolled off your tongue. That is yeah, yeah, genuine yeah. practice. That is genuine. Yeah. Like, you meant every word you said. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Like, look at her face getting red. That was real. <laughs> look, I got a picture. And as I was talking, my picture started leaning on my mirror. So she was saying, I felt like that was her sign of saying thank you. Oh. I have this picture on my mirror. This is one of my favorite pictures as a child that I make time intentionally to spend with her. And that's my little baby sister in the background. But yeah, that's me. Man, that's that's beautiful. It was like I hear you, <laughs> Big Bree, Big Bree. I hear you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. it's gonna be so much, but you'll be fine. It's gonna all be a part of your testimony and where you'll land for a pit stop in your career. That is amazing. Thank you. And so, before we close out, what yes. other projects are you working on? Let's talk about Flourish. Like, what's going on? Yeah, so I would say right now um, we have Flourish, which is a mental health community. And Aaliyah kind of talked a little bit about our introduction in the beginning, so I I won't reread that. Right now, I would say this is a season of birthing for me, right? I think I spent so much time in my personal career, in my professional career, reaching all of these goals. So I would say in this season, it's a little bit different. This season for me is all about 
centering things that bring me joy that's not connected to my projects. So mm. it's all about traveling the world outside the country, um, doing those type of fun and exciting things. It's also me thinking about how can I be more intentional and on what platforms do I want to share my story of being a survivor and how that's going to come out. Is that through podcasts, public speaking, like what does it look like? And mm. then me sharing my journey and experience on being like a first generation college student. So right now I'm praying that God leads me. I don't know will that come in the form of me publishing the second book to be sold at major bookstores. But I, I think I'm in a season where I'm truly grateful for all that I have. And I've spent so much in my thirties, like I'm a goal oriented person. So I was looking at my journal two weeks ago and then I was like, wow, at 32, I was supposed to become a published author. I, I, I was hoping to be a director. I was hoping to, to do these things, finish therapy by 32. All of those things I done, I completed when I was 29 or 30. So if I'm being transparent, Aaliyah, I don't know what's next. I'm not sure what's next, but I rest assured that whatever lies ahead, I'm sure it's gonna be great and I can't wait. I love that. Come on. Yes. yes. And if you liked anything that you heard here today, please feel free to reach out to Bree. All of her information yes. will be in the description. Let's, you know, learn more about Flourish and her journal. Um, she also has a, a co-partner who she works really closely with. Um, so yes. get to know them, get to know Bree as a professional, but also as a person. And so thank you all for listening to Aaliyah J. Deggs Consulting Podcast. Remember That's right. Yes, this is your one-stop <laughs> shop for all things professional and personal. And again, if you like anything that you heard here today, feel free to reach out. Um, and we, we will talk to you next episode. All right, bye everyone. Bye.